The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for coming out again this morning. I, it's great. We had a great night last night. There's a lot of you here then, and here we are again to celebrate on Christmas morning. They had a great night on the East Campus last night, too. They had a big, big turnout. So just really thankful uh, for you guys just coming out to celebrate Jesus' birth. It's great, great weekend to be together. And just even out in the foyer last night and this morning, what an honored weekend for me to get to be your pastor, to get to, to speak God's word to you. I'm seeing family back. I'm seeing um, uh, just lots of new life events going on around here. I'm, I know some of us are going through some difficult things too, and it's just great to be together as a family uh, this morning and to celebrate Jesus coming. So if you're new with us, I'm really glad you're here. And I heard a rumor, is Josh in the house? Yeah, Josh is here. Let me just give you a quick update. No, we'll do that. We'll do that. Let me give a quick update so everybody knows what I mean by Josh. So Josh um, is an amazing guy that works, works, I'll say works here at Parkview. Back in uh, July, had um, some health issues, and he's been away from us for a while, but he's up here with his family. I know a ton of you have been praying for Josh. Josh, you're a great guy. He encouraged me last night. He thanked me for bringing the word. So you're awesome, buddy. And can't wait to get you back here working full out. So could everybody please just show the Herman family we love them. Yep. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. So I just love you guys. We've been praying. So, um, and just love all you guys. Thank you for coming out to worship today. So, so when uh, Christmas lands on a Sunday, uh, churches do different things. There's some churches that aren't even meeting today. I'm really glad we are. There was a few years ago where I got to do this in 2005, and we did the same message on Christmas Eve that we did Christmas morning, and about 100 people showed up, which was fine. You know, we did that. And my kids were young at that age, eight, six, and four, and right after church, we were going to go to Des Moines. So we had the van all loaded up. I think I brought my dog, and the dog was in the office, and we were going to leave straight from here to go to Grandpa and Grandma's, right? So we go cruising across 80, and we're at about exit. Some of you heard this story, but it still is a good memory to me. So we're right outside of Newton, and we get a flat tire, and I'm thinking like, are you kidding me? Like, I got to unload all the back and get at the jack and the spare tire. Come on, God, I preached on, on Christmas morning. Can't you <laughs> throw me a bone here? Like, give me some slack, right? And so, so we pull off on that exit 168, and um, we'd only been there about 30 seconds, and this pickup pulls up right behind us. A guy comes popping out and said, you got a flat tire? I go, yeah, we do. And he goes, I just got a hydraulic jack for Christmas, and I was looking for a chance to use it. <laughs> can I change your tire for you? So, and then I didn't know this. We said, there's a Walmart just right up there. You can get the tire fixed. And it was about a 45 minute pit stop. That's not bad. So anyway, just God, God is good. That's a good memory for me with my kids. But one privilege you get too, is that when dad preaches on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, we just slid Christmas back a day. So we did our Christmas Eve on the 23rd, and everybody opened presents yesterday morning, got them returned and all that by noon. By lunch, <laughs> we were good. So we're a, day, we're a day ahead of all you guys. So, um, so it's been good. 
but I was just looking around. I feel like I had a few hits in the gifts I gave, but I had a few swings and misses. It's like, oh no. And so I did a research this week about what are some of the least favorite, like the, the worst gifts that people gave, have given over the years. So one person got a cat ear cleaner once and they didn't even have a cat. So that was one, that was a bad one. Um, a guy that has one eye and his mom even knew that he had one eye. His mom gave him a 3D poster. Like they were big in the 90s. <laughs> He's like, Mom, I can't, you know, can't, what are you doing, Mom? So then there were several that kind of fit in the category of people trying to give you a hint, like a membership to Nutrisystem or dental floss or um, a book of etiquette from a mother-in-law. That's a little bit, that's a little bit creepy there, right? Don't do that, moms-in-laws. So don't, don't do that. That's not so good. So, and this might be a little late, but I was thinking you, you, you got it before Christmas. You got to be ready with your responses for a uh, a gift you're not ready for, or a gift you just don't like, okay? So I saw a couple of these yesterday when my gifts swung and missed. So like, you gotta work it up. Like, you open something, everybody's watching you, it's not a good gift, what do you say, right? You gotta work on that. So here's a few tips. If it's not too late, if you're still opening presents, you could, you could try some of these. Wow, <laughs> that, that might work. Well, you shouldn't have, like, or something. <laughs> Wow, what were you thinking? Like, I don't know, it's all in the inflection. Like, you can, you can, it's not lying. You can have the exact truth of what you're saying, but just your inflection can, can carry it off. So there's those kind of things. In fact, I saw a video this week that there was a dad that was trying to teach his little boy to be grateful when anybody gives you anything, no matter what it is. And so what he did was he wrapped up an, av- an avocado put it in a box, and tested his son. Like, it's, it's, a, it's his birthday, he's opening lots of presents. Is he going to really be grateful for an avocado? And so this video went viral. Why don't you watch it up here? Watch how this kid responded. <laughs> so you could always respond that way, thanks, and just go to the next one, right? So... So that's good there too. Just trying to help you out. Just be your pastor trying to get you ready for might be coming. So, um, but what I really want us to lock in on today is how do we respond to the real gift of Christmas? How do we respond to Jesus? And now that response should not be a problem because the gift of Jesus to this world, we talked about it last night, is good news of great joy for all people that God has sent his son to be our savior to give us life like that's the greatest gift that has ever been given and so if there's a problem in the response it's not the problem in the gift the problem is in us okay and so what we've been doing to get ready for christmas is we've been looking at the gospel the christmas story from the from three gospels and so what i'm looking at this weekend is the gospel of luke and luke's gospel I, i love it because right up front you see why, God, why Luke wrote his gospel. He wrote to a friend named Theophilus, and we talked about this last night. He said to Theophilus, it seemed good to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you can have certainty concerning the things which you were taught. So Luke was a historian, he was a physician, and he had this friend named Theophilus that didn't understand everything about Jesus and about the Christmas story. So Theophilus wanted him to know for certain that Jesus did come, that Jesus was fully God, fully man, that Jesus came to die for our sins. And so we talked about that last night. We can have certainty that Jesus came, and that's good news, great joy for all people. 
But today what I want us to look at is, so then how do we respond to that? We're going to look at some of the key characters. How did Mary respond when she heard this story and this news? How did the shepherds respond? And then how did the angels respond? Because I think when Luke was writing to his friend Theophilus, he didn't want him just to know these things are true, but he also wanted to show him, so then how do we live our lives? If these things are true, if God is really giving us good news, great joy for all people, then what kind of people do we need to be to receive that and then to spread that on, okay? So, so Luke's concerned about our response. That's what we're going to look at today. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into this passage today. So Father, thank you. It's a privilege to be with your people. It's, it's a great morning to be together as your family, celebrating uh, the birthday of Jesus, celebrating Jesus coming to earth to rescue us from sin. So in these next couple minutes, show us how you want us to respond when we open this amazing gift. It's in your great name we pray, amen. So let's look at Mary, and when you see Mary, I think you're gonna see humility, and you're gonna see hunger for truth, okay? And so let me just read, again, we'll read kind of glimpses here of the Christmas story. We're gonna start in Luke chapter one, verse 28. And this is um, a time when an angel appeared to Mary. Remember at this time, Mary, maybe 13, 14, 15 years old, very poor, most likely illiterate, living in a very small village in backwoods Israel. So this angel appears to her, and verse 28 says, the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, you will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Because I am a virgin. She wasn't doubting, she was just wondering, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then listen, listen to Mary's response. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. If you think about Mary's situation, Mary had a lot to lose right now. Again, looking at her life, she probably didn't have a lot from a worldly perspective going for her. Very poor, very small village. Uh, Very few maybe opportunities in life, but she did have a fiance. She did have a man that she loved that she was looking forward to marrying. And now God's message from this angel was, Mary, you're going to become pregnant. Uh, Joseph's not going to be the dad. And so you think about all these things Mary had to lay down. She had to lay down her dreams of her family and what that would look like. I don't think we understand culturally what she could have been stepping into you know, the, the shame, you know, hey, uh, God got me pregnant. It's like, yeah, right. Like, who's going to believe that? That doesn't happen. And so the risk of being rejected by her family, by her friends, by her worshiping community, there were a lot of things at risk in Mary's life. Would Joseph even believe this story? Or would Joseph leave her? But yet Mary laid down her plans. She laid down her rights. And she called herself uh, the servant of the Lord. 
And so when Luke is writing to Theophilus, he's saying, Theophilus, this is the heart that God looks for. God looks for the heart of that man or that woman or that child, that when God speaks, that person responds, I am a servant of the Lord. I will do what you say. I will follow your plan. And so that's an amazing th- glimpse we see right away. And you see it throughout the gospel of Luke, of Luke that God honors humility. God honors, like a lot of times in Luke's story, you'll see the prominent and the, the people with the big names. And yet the people that God hones in on are the people that are humble and responsible, re- responsive to him, ready to serve him. So Theophilus, you want to follow God, you need to be a servant, okay? So that's one thing we see in Mary. The next one, uh, I love this. So if you go to Luke chapter 2, now Luke chapter 2, verse 15, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, Mary and Joseph travel to uh, Bethlehem, a 90-mile trip, uh, no room in the inn, right? So they, they give birth to Jesus in a stable. Uh, Jesus has laid his first crib as a manger, a feeding trough, And so that's going on. And then we see verse 15. Meanwhile, and we'll get to the shepherds in a little bit, there were a bunch of shepherds outside of Bethlehem that were told the story of the birth of the Messiah. And they were told, you can go to Bethlehem and you'll see a baby in a manger. Go see this. And so so put yourself in Mary's shoes. You've just had a baby. You've just traveled 90 miles, most likely three days. You're in a stable. As far as we know, her mom wasn't there. As far as we know, no midwife was there. As far as we know, her 15-year-old, 16-year-old fiance was the only one there to help her give birth. Okay, so all this is going on. I don't know. I've never had, a, again, I've never had a baby before. But those of you that have had a baby, like probably the last wish on your list would be, let's have a shepherd party right now. Let's bring in a bunch of people that are going to smell bad. They've been with sheep, and they're probably a little bit uncouth, a little bit, un, you know, don't really know the manners of how you come in. So, but that's exactly what happens. Look at verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's just happened that the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph. So it's not just shepherds showing up. They're excited. Like, they're just fumbling over each other. They're really excited. And so they show up. They find Mary and Joseph. They find the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. So they're telling everybody, this is what the angels told us. This is what the angels said about this baby. They're so excited about it. They made known to everybody what the angels had said. And to all, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But then listen to what it says about Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So they left. You know, first thing I would have done if I was Mary... I would have stood up and just go, boom, I told you, like I told you for nine months, like the Holy Spirit did this and see the angels told that to the shepherds and like, I'm right, You're, you don't see any like gloating there, okay? What you see from Mary is that she listened to the shepherds, that she treasured the words that were spoken and she pondered them in her heart. You know, I could say it'd be easy to receive a message from an angel that might show up in your room and tell you what's happening. It takes amazing humility to listen to shepherds. You know, un, again, probably most likely uneducated, in a lot of ways outcast in the society. They're intruding on your private space. Yet when they spoke words from God, Mary listened, and Mary treasured, and Mary pondered. I think what Luke is saying to Theophilus, like the kind of person that God uses is the kind of person that when his word is spoken, there's a heart response. There's a love for what God has said. 
God, I love, like David says in the Psalms, God, I love your law. God, I love hearing from you. Um, and so there's a love, there's a heart response, there's a hunger. And then there's also a pondering. To ponder means to lay aside your life with the truth. You hear God speak, and then there's a desire to just put your life right beside that and go, okay, how am I measuring up? What is God saying to me? Like the Bible says, all scripture is given to us from God. It's inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person of God may be fully complete, lacking in nothing. And so Mary's response was to listen to God's word, even if it's, even if it's from a shepherd, and make sure that her life is, is in line. Is there something I need to learn from that message? Is there something I need to change in my life because of that message? So Luke says to Theophilus, if you're to be a person who really follows God and enjoys God, there needs to be a love for hearing from the word of God and then a desire to line my life up with the word of God. You know, this Sunday is, every time Christmas lands on a Sunday, it's such a unique Sunday because we're not just celebrating Jesus' birth, but we hinge from one year to the next. And I just wonder as we look back on the last year, what has our heart response been to God's message? Again, if there's a response issue, it's not in the message. You know, Jesus has come to save us from sin. The message is, or the, the issue is in our hearts. Is there a hunger to hear from God? And is there a love to hear from God? And I don't know what your 2016 was like, but, but I, can, I can promise you 2017 will look completely different if there's a heart change if there's a love for hearing from God and then an eagerness to, to, to line my life up according to the truth of Scripture. And Mary modeled for that, modeled that for us powerfully, okay? So there's Mary's response, and that was the longest one, okay? The next two are a little shorter, okay? So let's go to the shepherds now. Under the shepherds, let's put the phrases seeking truth and sharing truth. Seeking truth and sharing truth, okay? So again, we talked about this last night. It was astonishing that the shepherds would be the first ones to hear about the meaning of Jesus being born. They were the ones that heard, this is good news, great joy for all people, that unto you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And so the shepherds were the first to hear that. And so, uh, and not just from one who gave the message, but then as soon as the one was finished, uh, we're told maybe hundreds or thousands of angels appeared, that the glory of the Lord had appeared. There are scholars that say that angels and the glory of the Lord had not appeared to God's people for at least 500 years. And now as, as angels and, and as the glory of the Lord appears, it's for the first time in a long time to shepherds, okay? So how do these shepherds respond? Verse 15 says, when the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, uh, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Uh, the verb tense there is a continual action. So picture a whole group of people all excited at the same time, all talking at the same time, right? Let's go, let's go. We got to go see this. It's like, it's good chaos, right? Everybody's so fired up to just go. And, and there's like, who's going to take care of the sheep? I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm going to go. It's like, no, somebody's got to. And I don't know if they drew straws and somebody had to stay with the sheep. Everybody else got to go. Did they herd the whole sheep there? Just picture chaos, like good chaos. Like it's exciting. It's, I don't know. 
um, what your birth stories with some of your kids were, if there was like a, you know, hey, we got to get to the hospital now, let's go. It's that kind of flurry, that kind of excitement, let's go. And so there's energy, there's eagerness. And it says, and they went with haste, like they got there fast, as fast as they could. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then you jump to verse, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So you see in the shepherds just an eagerness that when God says something is true, when God says, hey, there's a sign for you, there's a child in a manger, they didn't waste any time, they just went. So you see this, again, hunger for truth, this hunger to, to see what God has revealed to us. Um, we live in, in a day in history like no other day, where this truth, this book, is available to us in all kinds of platforms. I mean, I have the Bible on my phone. I can play the Bible when I'm driving and memorize it. There are resources on the web where you can understand, find out understanding what a passage means. You can look up sermons. You can look up talks. Like, we are a people that have no excuse. Like, God is making his truth available to us in so many ways. In this church, there are groups, there are people studying the Bible together in twos. There are whole groups of people just gathering to study this book. Again, the issue is, is it's not, is this truth available? The issue is, is there a hunger and a desire to know this truth? And what we see from the shepherds is there was an eagerness. Like there's, there's a baby in a manger, we're there. Like we're, we're going. And so as we reflect this last year to the year to come, can we say, God, would you create that hunger in me? Could you create a thirst that can only be quenched by hearing your truth and hearing your words of life? And so there was a desire to seek truth. And then you also see from them that as soon as they saw Jesus, you couldn't shut them up. Like they, they left and they were praising God. They were giving God glory. And what I find so amazing here is the first people, okay, Jesus is born and you know, throughout Jesus' life, he eventually begins to gather disciples and people that followed him, that he trained and sent out. Sometimes I've called that before Team Jesus. Like, who's going to be on his team to follow him? It's amazing to me that the first jerseys that God handed out, who's going to go out and just tell the world about Jesus? That God didn't mind that the first people getting those jerseys were shepherds. He didn't care. Theophilus, Luke's friend, most excellent Theophilus, God isn't hung up on titles or prestige, or bank accounts, or degrees. What God is looking for is hungry hearts that just that love him, are gonna do what he says, they're humble, they're hungry for the truth, and they're not afraid to talk about it. The first jerseys that could put out for Team Jesus are these shepherds. So the next question of response I gotta ask us is like, how, how, how are we doing? Wearing the jersey and getting the message out through our words, through our lives, that we have truly seen that Jesus is God come to earth to save us from our sin. We, um, as a church a couple weeks ago, um, and I really appreciate you guys doing this, we took a survey on just some of the different um, spiritual practices in our lives, like how are we doing praying, how are we doing reading the Bible, different things like that. Um, one of the questions was, um, how actively are you sharing your faith? How actively are we as a church sharing our faith? 
And so if you took the top two responses, I think it was like frequently or sometimes, something like that, the top two lists um, added up to be about 16%. And I think out of all the numbers on the survey, the one that was a little bit of a punch in the stomach to me is like, whoa, we, we need to address this. Um, because a couple of things are going on if we're not sharing, then have we really seen, are we really tasting? Um, for example, um, did you guys hear that the Cubs won the World Series this year? Did you, did you just happen to hear that? Did you happen to see those W flags flying everywhere? Did you happen to see Shields all of a sudden just putting Cubs gear everywhere? Like, did you, and if you, yeah, you know what I'm, where I'm going with that. Like, so obviously they've been waiting a long time, right? Cubs fans, and now they get to put it out there, right? So, and that's really exciting, but you didn't have to guess if a Cub fan was excited about the Cubs winning the World Series. But what's a challenge to me is like, so what's going on with us with sharing our faith? I was encouraged by this when we asked things like, what would you like training in? What's the, in the next year, how can we equip you? By far, like that was number one. So I appreciate that. I sense, hey, I want to know, how can I do this? But again, I'm just praying in this next year, can there be that similar response? Uh, The shepherds probably didn't get a bunch of training. Like when they saw Jesus, uh, they just heard truth and talked about it, right? And so, and so I know some of it's on, on we need to train and equip, but some of it's on our end personally too. Like, am I, why am I not just talking about how awesome Jesus is? Let me give you just a couple quick ones that can be good starters for all of us. What if we prayed for people in our lives? We just don't know for sure. Do they know Jesus or not? You can at least start praying for them. Pray that God would show them who Jesus is. Pray that God would give you a chance uh, to say something to them sometimes. Anybody could do that. You can pray, all right? But then think about some things like speaking positively about something God does for you. Just kind of weave it in there naturally in a conversation. Talk about how prayer helps you. Just kind of drop things like that in your conversation. Uh, Speak positively about other Christians in your life or speak positively about things that you're involved in at church or in different groups that you're in. But may 2017, and we'll talk about this more as a church, but may this be a year where we just increase in our courage and joy and confidence and just sharing the good news. But I, I just look at the shepherds. They sought truth and then they shared truth. And Luke is saying, Theophilus, God has amazing things to show you because God has people in your life that he also wants them to know what you have seen and what you're living and what you're tasting. Okay, the last one is the angels. Okay, I'm gonna go a little quicker on this. Um, I'm not saying anybody here can become an angel, okay? So, but I am interested in how the angels responded to this whole story. We talked about uh, last night how the birth narrative in Luke is like a musical. You know, you'll get a little bit of a story and then people start singing, right? And then a little more of the story and then people start singing. Like there's a lot of joy in this message of Jesus coming to the earth. There's joy. And so the angels are the exclamation point times a thousand on joy, okay? So when the one shepherd, when the shepherds heard from the one angel, it was almost like he couldn't hold back the rest of them. And as soon as he got the message out, the rest of the angels just poured in, right? And said, like in verse 14, uh, they, just, they just praised and they said, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There was a celebration, there was energy, there was the glory because that's what angels 
do. And Luke shows us, Luke has this theme of joy you see throughout, but Luke also teaches us that uh, it's, in, it's in Luke chapter 15. Jesus told a story about three lost things that, that were found, a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And then when each of those, that represented people who were far from God, but then God found them. And so, for example, like in Luke 15, 10, Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Out of all the things, just imagine if you're an angel, the way you can see all of creation, the way you can see all of time, out of all the things that excite angels and fire them up and make them show up in a big choir and say glory to God in the highest, it's when one sinner repents and responds to the gospel, responds to what Jesus has done for us. What I want us to see from the angel's response is like out of all the priorities in our life, out of all the things that excite us the most, I think we ought to aim for lining up our excitements with the same thing that excite the angels, that, that they are thrilled when even one sinner repents. Maybe you've heard this, and if you're a Christian, on that day where you realized you're a sinner and that God has given you a gift, um, that day you trusted Christ. Some people will say then that there was a party for you in heaven. It was like your name on a banner and the angels are going crazy, excited that you have repented and received the gospel. So out of all the things that could excite an angel, it was the gospel and sinners responding to the gospel. Let me read you a passage. We'll close with this one. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. And in chapter 1, he's writing about the gospel, this amazing truth that Jesus came to earth, fully God, fully man, died for our sins, and through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven and have a relationship with God. This is how Peter summarizes this. In 1 Peter 1.10, he says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or what time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So there are many prophets in the Old Testament that saw the day of Jesus coming. They saw, you know, the prediction that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be a child but yet a king. He would be fully God. All these predictions, yet the prophets are looking to the future and they don't know when is this coming? Who is this going to be? That's what Peter is saying. And then in verse 12, he says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So he's saying the prophets realize they're speaking of a future time. They're speaking to people who would later understand who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And so all those things. And then he ends with this statement, um, things into which the angels long to look. Like, why did he put that in there? But I think it's, again, one more instance of out of all the things that make the angels like lean forward and look at what's happening and how God is moving in our lives and God is moving in the world. What are, what's the one thing? It's not the World Series. It's not how the Hawkeyes are going to do in the bowl game. It's like, it's like our people responding to the gospel. That is what fired up the angels. That's what they long to look into. And so may 2017 be a year where, again, in a fresh way, we understand what it means that Jesus came to earth. Again, not just for ourselves. And my hope for you this morning is if you don't understand this, that Jesus came for you. We talked about that last night. He came to save and rescue you. He loves you. He came to this earth to give his life for you. 
But then once we embrace that for ourselves, God would just love to just get us out there and say, you know, there's people around you that need this, that need to know this. Could you be the one? Could 2017 be the year that each one of us gets the chance to just humbly point someone to Jesus and what he has done for us? And imagine the angels leaning forward in your life and just looking and watching you do that and how God and his Holy Spirit in so many ways helping you do that. You're not doing that alone. But again, may the angel's response prioritize our lives that what what excites heaven is when one sinner repents and responds to the gospel. So I want to wrap up our morning like this. I just want to give you a minute because at the end of your outline there, I just said, how will we respond? How will we respond to Christmas this year? And so let me just give you a minute to just quietly pray. And as you look at Mary, as you look at the shepherds, as you look at the angels, where did you just sense this morning God was nudging at your heart or God was pushing in there and saying, hey, you know, what about this? What about a hunger for my word? What about an eagerness to obey and follow? What about, um, what about a bigger heart for people around you that don't, know, that don't know me yet, okay? So let me just give you a minute. You just quietly pray where you are and I'll close us and then we'll, we'll wrap up with some worship. God, I thank you for what we are celebrating this weekend. Jesus, thank you for your love for us that you came for sinners like me. You came to give your life. You took our sin. You gave us your life. And all we need to do is is to repent and believe, admit that we're sinners, and then believe that you have died to give us new life, to forgive our sins and give us new life. God, I pray if somebody here doesn't get that, that this would be the morning, how awesome on Christmas morning that somebody receives the greatest gift they ever received of eternal life from Jesus Christ. May that happen. God, thank you. And just even for that glimpse that if that were to happen this morning, just how amazing that would be to the angels and the party that would happen in in heaven this morning for even just one sinner who repents. And then, Father, I just pray there would be a response that you showed us in your word from Mary and the shepherds and angels. God, may our hearts respond to this awesome news of a Savior, Christ the Lord. Good news, great joy, all people. May we respond like your word is calling us to respond. God, I thank you for this church. What a privilege to be together on this amazing morning. And God, may we continue to love you and love each other and love this city and love the world as we reflect Jesus other into the world. We, we need you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.